to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can f make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some f really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, now that, my friend, is <laughs> very hard to do. And you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, the f everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if, if, it, if it is a sport, now, now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, oh, with no rules. Not real fighting. Well, then, baby, you better train every part of your body. Aloha, Penn Nation. What's up, guys? You're now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Pleasure to be here with you yet again. This is episode 118, and we've got three great guests for you. Our first guest for this episode, love him or hate him, he's a familiar face, or voice rather, on this show, our good friend, Colby Chaos Covington. It was just announced that Colby's going to be taking on Robbie Lawler August 3rd in Newark, New Jersey on ESPN. So we're going to catch up with him, discuss the matchup, how we went from Colby fighting Kamara Usman next to now Robbie Lawler. And I think you might be surprised as to Colby's approach to this fight. Then next up after Colby Chaos, we'll be joined by his manager, owner and founder of American Top Team, Dan Lambert. We're going to get his reaction to the news of Colby not facing Kamaru and facing Robbie Lawler. We'll get some of the background of the negotiations that went on. And you'll hear some of Dan's perspective as to why he believes they were backed into a corner with this fight. We'll also get Dan Lambert's take on some other big names coming out of his facility that have big fights on the horizon. Our good friend Jorge Masvidal, of course, Amanda Nunez, and Dustin Poirier. Then closing out this episode, one of the most talented guys on the scene today. He's a super prospect. You've heard me sing his praises many times before. Bellator featherweight, bantamweight, and quite possibly soon to be lightweight, the Spaniard Juan Archuleta. We're going to catch up with him following his impressive win over Eduardo Dantas in Madison Square Garden. We'll talk about what's next, title aspirations, and becoming a three or four division world champion. Archuleta also opens up about the situation with his good friend and training partner, TJ Dillashaw. So all that and a lot more, BJPenn.com radio, the fighter's voice, kicking things off, Colby Chaos Covington. All right, Penn Nation, it's time to bring the chaos back yet again. Please welcome to the show one of our favorite guests, the one and only Colby Covington. What's up, Colby? What's the good word, man? 
not much, man. Just joined South Florida, you know, just got done training at the greatest gym in the world, American top team, you know, managed by the greatest manager to ever touch down in this game, Dan Lambert. So, you know, it's just a beautiful day, man. Enjoying life. Business as usual. Exactly. Business as usual, man. The show must go on. That is the truth. Now, before we jump into things, man, how is the start of your summer going? Oh, man, the start of my summer has been unbelievable. I mean, last week I was in Vegas. I got to play a bunch of World Series of Poker events. That was an incredible experience. The week before, I was in New York, you know, with the Marines and the Navy for Fleet Week, giving back my time, paying money out of my pocket, thousands of dollars to go visit the troops and hang out with them for a full week. So that was an incredibly inspiring week of my life, man. I'll never forget that. Getting to stay on the US, USS New York uh, Navy ship that, that's probably out in Iran right now. So just to see how the Navy works and the Marine works, man, it, just, it was a really humbling experience, and I'm forever grateful for that. That's awesome. I know the last time we spoke, you were very excited about the Fleet Week thing. Uh, so what that was basically some of the highlights was, you know, being able to go around the ship. Did you guys have any events? Did you get to train with anybody? Yeah, that was kind of the highlights. It's actually going to come out on July 4th weekend. If you check out ESPN, they did a piece on me. So I don't want to I don't want to pull back the curtain too much, you know, but you guys are going to get to see firsthand, you know, what I did and the time that I gave for those guys. But, you know, it's the least I could do, man. Those guys put their lives on the line for our freedoms. You know, they sacrifice everything. So there's not enough that I can thank those guys. And it's just so sad that there's not enough professional athletes out there that are giving them the respect that they do, that they deserve. You know, these guys are, there's people out here worshiping the Kardashians who have fake asses and fake everything, but you can't honor a, a military service member who's putting their life on the line for your freedoms in America. It's disgusting. Well, that, that's awesome, man. sounds like ESPN obviously caught on to, uh, the type of patriotic human being you are, and they're wanting to highlight that. That's really important. That's good to hear, man. It sounds like a, a good push from maybe not the company, the UFC, but for, for ESPN. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's going to be a good piece, you know, and it's just all centered around the military and what they do for us. It, you know, I didn't want anything to be about me. I actually didn't even want them to come out. You know, it was uh, a guy in the Navy, that, you know, that wanted the, the ESPN to come out and do the piece. You know, I, you know, I, when I do good deeds and I do good things, I, I don't want to publicize about it. I don't want to promote about that because that's not why I'm really there. I'm really there for them, you know, and that's what it was all about. But I'm happy that they can get the spotlight that they deserve because they don't get enough credit for what they do for our country. God bless America, baby. And God bless the troops. Right. No, amen, man. But again, I mean, I know what you're saying. You don't want your good deeds to be, uh, uh, you know, publicized in that matter. But at the same time, it's cool that they're, they're recognizing the type of guy that you are. So that that's good to hear, but it's about to be a busy few weeks for you now. Uh, through August 3rd, this fight announcement with Robbie Lawler in New Jersey. This one came as a shocker to most of us, man. First off, give us a rundown on how this fight got made. Well, you know, America's champ, you know, got the call from Uncle Dana, my best friend, you know, and he wanted me to defend against the last real champion in this division, you know, uh, an all-time great, a first ballot Hall of Famer in Ruthless Robbie Lawler. That guy, you know, coming off a dominant win over Ben Askren, you know, he just he's never looked better in that fight. You know, he knocked out Ben Askren and, and, and removed his consciousness. So, you know, we're going to see the best Robbie Lawler we've ever seen. That's why I'm excited to pull my belt on the line and defend this title. You know, I'm America's champion. I'm the people's champion. I fight for the people now, and that, 
that's what it's all about, putting on exciting fights for the fans. And I'm not out here faking injuries like Marty Fake Newsman. You know, he's he's out here making fake fake narratives, fake excuses. And so we just move on, man. Business goes on as usual. So we'll defend against the biggest name in the division. That's ruthless Robbie Lawler. That's an interesting point you make. Uh, yourself being a champion, obviously, the most recent champion from your perspective. And from your perspective, Robbie is the last real champion aside from yourself. Yep, exactly. That's right. I mean, let's be honest, Jason. If you went and asked 10 people on the street right now who they know better, Marty Fake Newsman or Ruthless Robbie Lawler, who are they going to pick? Oh, obviously Robbie. Exactly, man. So he's a bigger name. He's a bigger fight, you know, and I'm excited to test my skills against him. He has true one-punch knockout power. He's a very well-rounded fighter, can stop takedowns, you know. He actually took uh, Ben Askrim's Hodge Trophy by dumping him on the head in that last fight, so... We saw that he's a very well-rounded mixed martial artist, and you know he's very due for a title shot. So I'm excited to give him a title shot and uh, you know get this belt on the line August 3rd in Newark, New Jersey, in the Prudential Center. Now, to stick with the politics side of this, I mean, obviously you guys have been campaigning for the fight with uh, Kamaru, the fight with Woodley. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff here to discuss, but just to start with it. I spoke with Dan Lambert earlier today, got his perspective on the situation. He had said that the UFC was pretty adamant about this matchup and needing a main event for this card in New Jersey. You've said many times uh, that you were going to wait for Kamaru, but Dan said you guys kind of got backed into a corner with this one. Would you agree with that? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree that we got back into a corner. You know, this is something we wanted to take. You know, we wanted to show our worth to the UFC and our worth to the ESPN. You know, Robbie is a dangerous opponent, and he's a very game opponent. And he's the biggest name in the division besides myself. So I'm the one giving out title shots. So you know, this this he deserves a title shot. Robbie definitely deserves a title shot. You know, he's never looked better in his last fight. You know, this is this is about fighting. Fighters fight, man. So I'm not going to sit around and wait for Marty Fake Newsman whenever he, you know, gets his little hernia figured out that he's been sitting out for seven months. You know, what a joke, man. So business moves on, man. I don't need those guys. I don't need Marty Fake Newsman. I don't need Tyquil Woodley. I'll just, you know, I'll go to bigger names and I'll go steal the show on ESPN and, and show who's the real welterweight king. So this doesn't feel like it was a favor for the UFC brass or a demand by them. This was a fight that genuinely interests you. And when it crossed your desk, you were, you were all for it. I want the biggest fights and the biggest names, you know, and, that, and that's what Robbie Lawler is. He's the biggest name in this division, like I said, but except for myself. So, you know, I'm ready for the bright lights in the big cities. And that's what this fight's all about, man. It's, it's not about being backed in a corner. It's about getting a huge name in a big fight, in a title fight, a main event on ESPN. It's going to be incredible, Jason. You don't want to miss this one. So with all the time that was was spent waiting for Kamaru or Woodley, does that feel like time wasted to you at this point? No, not at all. You know, I was I was getting better during that time. You know, every single day that 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 clock you know moved and ticked, I was getting better. They're they're getting older and they're they're getting dumber. They're getting slower. They're definitely getting uglier. They're not going to have the reflection of perfection like myself. So, you know, it, it wasn't wasted time, man. It was it was a lot of personal development, a lot of growth development. You know, you haven't seen the best Colby Chaos Covington yet. I'm just now starting to hit my prime, and and you're going to see my best fights ahead of me now. And and it starts with ruthless Robbie Lawler on August third. Not to mention all that time to grow in the gym. I'm sure you've got a whole lot of new wrinkles and facets to your game that you're eager to show the world. Absolutely, man. I, you know, I got a ton of new tools in the tool shed. And I can't wait to pull them out and, and use them on the big stage. You know, and no better place to do it in that dump than New Jersey. 
<laughs> I'll tell you, as a guy from the Northeast, uh, Rhode Islander, I agree with you, not a big fan of Jersey. But uh, you've been pretty vocal in our previous conversations about Robbie being past his prime. He's still a very dangerous guy, and some say that he's an incredibly tough matchup for you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that, man. He's a very tough matchup. You know, I, I definitely don't think he was past his prime. You know, before that was just, you know, just talking, just to to say things. But you know, after seeing him, the way he's looked in his last fight, man, he, he's never looked stronger. If you look at his body, I mean, he's never looked bigger, and he's never looked more powerful in knocking out Ben Askren. So. You know, he's just, he looks incredible right now. He, and you know what? The thing about this fight is that he's going to have a lot of hungry and a lot of vengeance on his side because he's going to want to get Dan Lambert back and American Top Team back. So he's going to have that extra chip on his shoulder to come out here and try and knock me out. So it's an incredibly tough matchup, man. He's he's good everywhere. There's not He doesn't have any holes in his game. And he's really the last real champion before myself. So it's going to be an exciting fight, you know, and it's going to be a fight for the fans. I can't wait to put all the asses in the seats and, and put on a good show for them like they deserve. Now, obviously, uh, Robbie having history with American Top Team, do you feel like you maybe have some of the, some kind of an inside track as to a good game plan to uh, defeat him? Yeah, you know, I think I have a good game plan to defeat anybody in the division. You know, I, I have very well a very well-rounded skill set. You know, I, I can take the fight anywhere, and I've evolved a lot. You know, you haven't seen the best of me yet, and I'm, I'm getting better every single day. So, you know, I, yeah, I've seen what he does, but, you know, that's also an advantage for me, but it's also a disadvantage because he knows exactly my type of game plan. He knows what I'm going to do from being around each other for a couple years in the gym and American Top Team. So, you know, the thing is, I'm the present and the future of this division. You know, he's, he's the past. This is also a short notice fight, man. I know you're always in shape. Obviously, he's coming off of that camp that was supposed to be against Tyron Woodley, but you're completely comfortable taking on a guy like Robbie with four weeks notice? Yeah, very comfortable in taking on, you know, a guy like Robbie Lawler on, on four weeks notice. You know, the thing about it, yeah, he's, that's what I love about this fight is that, you know, he, he had that training camp for Woodley and he's in five round shape and, you know, he's really hungry after his last fight, you know, so that we're going to see the best Robbie Lawler. And that's what excites me because, you know, I'm not going to be my best, but you know, it doesn't matter. I don't need to be in my best to beat anybody in this division. I am the greatest welterweight to ever walk this earth. So you're going to see that August 3rd. It doesn't matter how many weeks I need to get ready. You know, I stay ready. I was born ready. Now, is the power of Robbie, you mentioned he looked phenomenal against Ben Askren, always been a knockout artist. Is the power of Robbie a big concern going into this one? Yeah, yeah, his his power is a huge concern. You know, he can he can turn your lights out with one punch. That's all it takes with Ruthless Robbie Lawler. That guy is a very dangerous fight. He hasn't just been in, like, fight of the night type fights in his past. He's been in fight of the evers, you know. He has some of the greatest fights of all time, and, and it's just his power in his hand. I felt it in, in sparring, you know. His hip his hips are very, very strong, and when he, you know, he when he lands punches, they, they hurt. You know, he breaks bones. So, you know, he's a very dangerous opponent, and, and that, that's what excites me, though. That's what gets me up early in the morning to train and, and just prove everybody wrong. Everybody's already saying they're writing me off, saying he's going to knock me out first round. So, you know, I, I love to prove people wrong. I don't just talk the talk, Jason. I walk the walk. Taking this fight, it's a big risk for you. I mean, you're the rifle next in line for the belt. A loss to Robbie, is that a huge setback in your opinion? or? Well, the thing is, is that I already have the belt. You know, I don't need no title shots. I've already had my title shot. I got a belt. You know, no one took my belt from me. Possession is nine-tenths of the law, so no one's taking nothing from me. This is a title shot. This is a title fight of the highest magnitude. So it's a very dangerous fight, though. There's not a more dangerous guy in the division. There's a reason that Ben Askren is running from him and terrified and didn't want to rematch it. 
There's a reason for that. That guy is dangerous. He's the guy that is the boogeyman under your under your bed at night that you don't want to fucking make mad. So everybody, he's the most scary guy in the division right now. No one wants to fight Rufus Robbie Lawler. So you know that's I like challenges. You know that's that's what gets me up in life. So you know th- you know this is a big this is a big title fight. No, make no mistakes about it. I'll tell you, man. This is an interesting change in your approach to a fight here. It sounds like you got a lot of respect for Robbie. Dude, I have a ton of respect for Robbie, man. He's a, he's a, he's a great human being. You know, he's a good person. He's a great fighter, man. You know, like I said, first battle Hall of Famer, you know, one of the greatest welterweights of all time, you know, right behind myself. So, you know, he, I love Robbie, man. Great guy. You know, we've had some good interactions even, you know, after he left American Top Team. But, you know, this is business, and he understands the business side, and I understand the business side. So we're going to go out there. We're going to put on a good fight for the fans, and, and we'll probably hug it out afterwards. Does this change your approach to promotion for this fight at all? You know, being that you have so much respect for the guy, whereas a lot of your previous opponents were guys that you didn't particularly like. No, not at all. I, I always speak the truth, man. And, and that the way I promote, the way I talk, I, there's nothing that I say that isn't the truth, you know. that That's the thing about it. So, you know, that's what I do when I promote and sell fights, man. I speak the truth. Well, fair enough. I, I Again, it's just... Uh, it, it, for you, I'd imagine for you, from your perspective, like you said, you got so much respect for the guy. He's hungry. This has got to be a nice change of pace for you in regards to, again, going up against guys that you didn't particularly like, fighting a guy that you have a ton of respect for. This has got to be a nice change for you. It's whatever, you know. It, it doesn't matter, man. Money talks at the end of the day, Jason. So, you know, I'm a money fighter. You know, I, I'll fight for my belt and, and defend my belt against whoever the UFC wants me to defend it against. So, you know, it's a nice change of gears, you know, it's cool, you know, but at the end of the day, it's still a fist fight and anything can happen. And, and then, you know, just, I'm excited for the challenge, man. Robbie's, he's a very dangerous opponent and anybody that writes him off, you know, would be stupid because, you know, we saw what happened last time someone wrote someone off in the welterweight division when there was a big underdog and he ended up finishing the guy. So, right, right. Now, Dan had made the point that the UFC obviously realizes your worth being that they're putting you in a main event on an ESPN card, a relationship that they're still building right now. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. The thing about the UFC knows my worth, man. If you look and you look at the engagement, the interaction that I get on my social media, you you could compare me with people that have millions of followers and I'm crushing them out the water just because I didn't buy fake followers like Marty fake newsman. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Just because someone has more followers, that doesn't mean anything. The truth isn't in the followers. It's in the engagements, in the comments, it's in the views, it's in all, in all that stuff. And there's not a bigger name in the game right now, you know, than maybe Conor McGregor than, than me right now. So, you know, the, the UFC saw my worth and, and they saw my potential. They saw that I know how to sell a fight, man. All these guys are just boring, man. No, they're not entertaining, man. No one wants to see those guys. That, they're not putting the asses in the seats. So that's why I'm here, to put the asses in the seats, fill it up, and put on a show for ESPN. Now, Dan and I had talked a lot about the fact that the UFC kind of snubbed you again here. I mean, you're taking this fight. You're happy to take it. You're defending your belt, as you're saying. But at the end of the day, you've been waiting for a fight with either T. Wood or Kamara Usman for quite some time now. So all that being said, you know, he, he, he mentioned that he didn't feel like it was a conspiracy against you, but he thinks you've just had the worst string of luck any guy deserving of a title shot has ever had. Has this all been bad luck in your opinion? No, nah, not at all. You know, I'm a fighter, man. A fighter's fight. 
what can I do, Jason? Those guys don't want to fight me, man. They're scared to fight me. They, they know what I bring to the table, and they don't want to lose to me because they know when they lose to me, they become irrelevant, you know, just like Ralphie Dos Nachos, just like Damian Maia, just like Dungum Tim when I retired him. So, you know, what can I do? They're scared to fight me, and I, and I still got to fight. The show's still got to go on. So, you know, I'm going to take the next guy in line, and, and that's going to be that. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, I'm a fighter, and I fight. You know, I don't fake injuries. I don't make up excuses. I fight whoever the UFC puts in front of me. I want to fight the best in the world. I Like I say all the time, you get to the top of the mountain, okay. We can meet at the top of the mountain. I'm going to kick you to the bottom. But until you get your way up there, you know, don't call my name. But then once you get up there, you see these guys get up there and they're next to me. Now they're scared. They don't want to fight me because they know they're going to lose everything they work for. Before, when, when Marty Fake Newsman was saying my name, oh, we live 20 miles apart. Oh, we could do this in the streets. Oh, we could. I got. I black out when I see Colby. I'm going to do this for the wrath of the immigrants, like you were saying on Joe Rogan's show. But then that was when I already had fights. You know, that's when I was already fighting Rafi Dos Nachos for the title. That's when I already had something lined up. But now they don't have something lined up and he don't have nothing lined up. Now he's scared. He can't say my name. So, you know, they're scared to fight me, man. I got I got nothing to say for those guys. I don't need those guys, man. I'm already the bigger draw than those guys anyways. So business goes on as usual. So what's the course of action after this fight? Do you dig your heels in for the fight with Kamaru or are you past that at this point? What's it look like for you going forward? Whoever's next, man, whoever's the biggest name, it doesn't matter to me, man. I'm not going to I'm not gonna pick who I'm going to fight next, man. I, I mean, the UFC is going to decide that. Whoever's the biggest possible name. I'm looking for the biggest possible fights, wherever the fans want to see, man. Do the polls. See what the fans want. I just want to be in the biggest fights. I want to be in those fights where, you know, there's just some rock, rock and sock fights and just dog fights and just, just exciting fights for the fans because that's what this is. This is entertainment business, and, and I'm here to entertain, so... Whoever they put in front of me next, that's who it's going to be. I'm not going to. I'm not going to duck. I'm not going to duck guys. I'm not going to pick and choose my guy. My guys that are going to fight me for the title. I'll fight whoever they put in front of me. I'll line them up one by one and knock them all down. So from your perspective right now, you're the guy with the true title, and from this point on, it's all about getting those big paydays. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's the real belt I got. Everybody knows I got the real belt. You know. And, you know, I went to Donald Trump. I'm the first fighter in the history of the sport to ever go to the White House and hang out with a sitting president. So, you know, I'll have my first fa- the first family, you know, the, the Trump Jr. and Eric Trump in my next fight. And, and, you know, and I'll just keep defending my title one by one and knock them all off. All these big names, you know, Robbie's a huge, massive name, the biggest name in the division. And I'll just knock them off one by one. But the thing is, is I don't want to get ahead of myself, Jason. I don't want to talk about what's next. I'm only worried about what's now. And what's now is Ruthless Robbie Lawler. That guy's dangerous. You can't overlook that guy and think about who's next. Because if you overlook that guy, you will wake up looking up at the lights. Very true. Very true. I agree with you 100%. But you mentioned there uh, the the Trump brothers. You think they'll be attending your fight in, in New York? I mean, it's close enough for them, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I texted him and, and I was over at the Trump Tower when I went and visited the troops for Fleet Week. So, you know, I had a good meeting with them up in Trump Tower. They said they would be in my next fight. So I'm excited, man, having Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, the, the first family there. It's, it's going to be an incredible experience. You know, the, the, the atmosphere is going to be electric. And, you know, we're going to put on a show for ESPN. They're going to be very excited. They're going to get more than their money's worth. Well, I'll tell you, man, it's definitely an exciting matchup, and hopefully just another another step towards the fights that you had been deserving all along. Uh, so in conclusion, man, tell all the fans out there what they ex- what they should expect on fight night, and how do, how do you visualize this scrap with Robbie playing out? 
Raw American Steel, baby. I see I see Raw American Steel getting his hand raised, doing what he always does. All I do is win, man. I'm undefeated, undisputed. I'm the best fighter that's ever walked in the UFC at welterweight. So, you know, they can expect to see what I always do, and that's win. Some people are addicted to drugs. Some people are addicted to alcohol. Some people are addicted to sex and cheating on their taxes. I'm addicted to winning, just like our President Trump. So that's what we're going to do on August there. We're going to go out there and win, and that's why I'm the great American winning machine. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, and real quick, before we wrap this up, it, this fight with Robbie, I mean, you're, you're change of tone here. It almost sounds to me like you you really want the fight to fight a guy that, that challenges you and puts you in one of those dogfights so you can show the world who you really are. Am I, am I getting the right idea here? Yeah, absolutely. I, I want a guy like Robbie who just moves my legacy up and it just, you know, it cements my legacy and, you know, it, it cements everything that I've worked for my whole life. You know, it just it's just going to boost everything I, I've worked for to this point. It's just going to make it tenfold better. So, you know, this is the type of fight I've been looking for. A guy as dangerous as Robbie that, you know, you cannot slip, you cannot blink because if you blink, you will wake up uh, unconscious, you know, so. You know, I'm just excited, man. He, this guy just, he, I add another guy like this to my resume. It just, it shows my greatness and it really does show that I am the best welterweight in the world and the best welterweight of all time. Definitely another great guy to have a win over for your legacy. I'm certainly looking forward to the fight and your return. I hope we can catch up again before fight week, but we greatly appreciate your time today. As always, champ, any shout outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? Yeah, big big shout out to American Top Team. You know, nothing's possible without those guys. Dan Lambert, man, love my manager, the greatest manager in the game. And and uh, you know, shout out to the Trumps. And uh, also Pro Wrestling Tees dot uh, com slash Colby Cub MMA. Go check it out. Get get yourself a T shirt. It'll exponentially speed up your process to get laid this summer if you get a great American Winning Machine shirt or a Nerd Bash 2019 shirt. No nerd is safe, no virgin is safe, so make sure you get on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash ColbyCubMMA. Awesome, man. Uh, any uh, any new designs coming out soon? Yeah, we actually, we're, we're working on some new, new designs right now. We got three new ones coming out. We got the seven and a half and up, and then we got the People's Champ shirt coming out, so that should be out in the next week, and definitely you can get them just in time for me before I fight Robbie Lawler August 3rd. Awesome, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, again, I hope we catch up again soon. But until then, man, have a great camp. Stay healthy and very much looking forward to the fight. Thank you for the time today, bro. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate it, man. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. All right. Later. As I said in the opening of the show, I thought everybody would be surprised to hear Kobe's approach to this fight with Robbie Lawler. A lot of respect given there, which is very unusual of Colby, but it's pretty obvious that given the history Robbie has at American Top Team and just the kind of guy he is inside and outside of the octagon, it would only make sense that Colby would change things up and sing some praises of his opponent. Again, that's August 3rd, Newark, New Jersey on ESPN. Big fight with big implications for the welterweight division. But let's keep it moving like we always do. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, Dan Lambert. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the owner and founder of one of mixed martial arts' greatest camps today, arguably the best camp in the business. Of course, I'm talking about Dan Lambert of American Top Team. Pleasure to have you back on the show, Dan. How was life down in sunny Florida today? 
I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, of course, as always. Obviously, you're a very busy guy, so let's waste no time. We'll jump right into it. It was just announced that Colby will be facing Robbie Lawler on August 3rd in New Jersey. Before we get into the details, tell us, have the contracts been signed? Uh, They haven't set the contracts over yet, but it's been agreed to by both sides. Right, verbal agreement, correct? Yes. Now, obviously, this is the not the matchup that everybody was expecting for Colby, and uh, you said this was not the matchup the UFC had promised, nor the fight you guys were looking for. So that being said, what was your reaction to the offer? Um, I was disappointed. Um, Colby wasn't thrilled about having his next fight not be for the title, seeing how long he's waited for it. But, uh, you know, sometimes those aren't our calls. You know, we're not the promoters. We're not the matchmakers. We're on our side of the equation, and, you know, what we wanted didn't really uh, didn't really mean a lot, I guess, at the time that they needed this fight. Was there any room for negotiation? Did you guys push back on this matchup initially? Man, Colby, Colby's been pushing back on some things for, for a while with, with, with them. Um, seems like certain promises get made and certain fights seem to line up and, and get talked about and agreed to verbally and and then something changes, you know, whether it's an injury or another fight comes up or, you know, they have a they have a show like this one, August 3rd, where they were just in desperate need of a, of a, of a, of a good headliner for an ESPN show. So, you know, what was promised to happen after that takes, takes the back seat. So, yeah, we, we fought back, but at the end of the day, you know, you can only fight so long and so hard, and there's implications and, and you know, reactions from the other side and, you know, we just thought it was better to go ahead and take this fight and, you know, go win this fight and hopefully and and then that title shot should still be there waiting for him. Now, Kamaru had surgery, won't be ready till November, if I'm not mistaken. However, I was under the impression that Colby was willing to wait for Kamaru. What changed? It sounds like not only did the UFC really need a main event, but maybe on the financial side, Colby's eager to get back in there. Uh, Col- Colby was much more in tune with waiting for his title shot than he was taking this fight. You know, he, he, he wants to fight for the belt. You know, once you're a champion and you get paid champions money and you know, that, that belt's a little bit addicting and, you know, and, and to be faced with a prospect after that of just fighting in, you know, what it basically amounts to another contender's fight. You know, I mean, if you're not fighting for the title, you know, you're fighting to be a contender. So he wasn't happy about that, you know, and, but you know, he's confident he'll, he, he, he feels like he will win that fight and he'll fight for the belt after that. But again, anything can happen in a fight. This is MMA. So he would have preferred to, to wait until November 2nd. UFC needed him. They needed it bad. They made their feelings very clear on that. So Colby decided it was best to do what they wanted for this fight and hope to get the title shot next. Well, it's certainly a bummer all around, but it sounds to me like Colby is kind of taking the company man role even though the promises that were made to him were not fulfilled. Uh, I, I, Colby's a Colby man rather than a company man. Colby's going to do what's, what's right with Colby. And Colby has had some run-ins with the UFC brass, and you know sometimes you fight authority and authority wins, and uh, that happened in this case. So aside from the UFC saying that they really needed him for this main event, and of course his willingness to wait for Kamaru, what really changed then? Well, I mean, do the math. UFC says we need you in this fight. You say I'm waiting for my title shot. Uh, who decides who gets that title shot? The guy that you're telling to go pound sand to. 
So, you know, it was it, it was more of a demand than it was a request. It was loud and clear. Colby still believes he'll be in the same position come come November 2nd with or without this fight. So he decided to take the fight. So it's almost like you guys were backed into a corner with this one. In my opinion, we were. Now, I think that a lot of people would agree that Robbie is a very tough matchup for Colby, and this is a very risky fight to take considering his position in the rankings. Would you agree with that? Uh, I've never heard anybody say Lawler wasn't a tough fight. Very true, but in regards to the risk of this fight, I mean... This is a big deal for Colby. He he is rightfully next in line for the title. This is a risky fight. Sure, it's a risky fight. He's next in line for the title. He's got to fight somebody else before getting there. A, it's, a, it's MMA. Anything can happen. B, it's it's Robbie Lawler, who, who's an ex-champ and a, a very tough out for anybody. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a risky proposition. Now, of course, it's no secret that you have a history with Robbie. So that being said, give us your thoughts on the matchup, and I'm wondering, is this situation a bit of a bittersweet moment for you? I mean, you don't have to be Robin Black breaking down fights to figure out what each guy wants to do in, in, in this fight. I mean, it's pretty obvious who wants to do what. I don't know. I, I think one of the, one of the two guys is going to end up looking bad. I'm not sure. Someone's going to come out and, dom- and, and impose their will. I don't think it's going to be a real big back-and-forth fight where one guy dominates for a while, the other guy makes his comeback, and who knows what happens at the end. I think one guy's game plan is going to win and be effective, and he's going to come out looking pretty good, and the other guy's game plan is not going to be effective, and he's going to come out looking pretty bad, having to rebuild himself. You know, Personally speaking, eh, not really. It's just we have so many guys fighting on so many shows. I mean, we've got four people fighting on Saturday, a main event, a co-main event. Um, another fight that's number one versus number two in the 125 pound division uh, as far as contenders go. So, you know, I, I try not to get too personally invested into every individual fight or too high on the highs or too low on the lows. It's just, it's another fight. I'm, I'm worried for my guy, you know, because he's worked hard and come a long way and put himself in a position for a title fight. Now he's got to go beat a former champ just to get the title shot that he already had. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but it is what it is. Now, this is also a bit of a short-notice fight for both guys. We know that Robbie was training for T-Wood. Unfortunately, that fight fell through. Tyron pulled out with an injury. But, I mean, this is still short-notice, right? Yeah, I think both those guys stay in shape year-round. They both live in the area where their gym is, so it's not like they're traveling to go to a camp. So I, I, I can speak firsthand from, from Colby. He, he's in shape. He's been training. He's been getting better. You know, he subscribes to that theory that you don't get better in camp. You get better between camps. You know, you just get ready in camp. So he'll be fine. And I, I assume the same with, with Robbie. I mean, he just finished the whole camp for a fight that, that fell through that was going to be this weekend. So I, I imagine he's still in shape, and I don't think that's going to be an issue for either one of them. Very true. Very true. Now, last time I spoke with Colby, he had mentioned that the UFC brass, the new owners, that they don't like him because of his political affiliations and his support for Trump. When you speak with the UFC brass, do you get any inkling that would suggest that for you? I, I think the UFC wants to promote guys that they think can sell tickets, can sell pay-per-views, can increase ratings. And, and I think Colby's one of those guys. I think he's a unique personality in the sport. And I think if he is to to win the title, I think the UFC will get behind him and support him because their interests will align. They will both want as many people to buy shows that he's fighting on as, as possible. So with that being said, then from your perspective, why the constant shafting, for lack of a better word, with Colby in regards to this title fight? 
I just think it's been a series of unfortunate events. It seems like the last three times where the UFC was in a trick bag as far as needing a headliner show on an important show to them that everything else fell apart on, basically it's come down to Colby. I mean, they, they, they were behind the eight ball in that September show where Woodley ended up fighting Till. It was a real short notice for Colby. He had won the title shortly before that. He was scheduled to have a surgery um, on his nose, so he couldn't take that, but they tried to force it on because they didn't have any other main event for that pay-per-view. Then the January show came along where he was again supposed to fight T. Wood, and they had a problem with another fight fallout, and they needed to cancel that show and move a main event, you know, and, and they wanted Colby to turn around and fight Usman, you know, on like three weeks' notice, switch from Woodley to or four weeks' notice to switch from Woodley to Usman in a non-title fight when we knew Woodley was then going to be fighting five weeks after that and said, well, he can then just turn around and fight T. Wood five, five weeks later. I'm like, that, that math doesn't make sense. So that kind of fell on him. And now the August 3rd show is a big deal for them because it's a big ESPN card. And they're still relatively new into that relationship, and I'm sure they want to keep their best foot forward, and they want a, a high-profile fight on that show. And I guess the other fights they had lined up fell apart, so... This one fell on him, too. So I, I just think it's been between having agreed to fights with both T. Wood and Usman that had to then get rescheduled due to some injuries from the different parties and having these cards kind of fall apart at the last minute and needing somebody to fill them. It's just he's kind of come up on the wrong side of, uh, of the equation all three times. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Right, and I plan on speaking with Colby in a few hours here, so I'd imagine he's going to be steaming about this, be very upset. But it sounds to me like through all of your years of experience, you tend to take a diplomatic approach to these kind of situations. Well, I mean, it, it's it's a lot less personal for me than it is for Colby. I've got 40 guys in the UFC or so and, you know, 100 fighters at our gym that we're trying to coordinate and do everything for. And when something like this happens to one particular fighter, you know, I feel for him, but it's not – it's not the end of the world from a team standpoint. We've got to do what we have to do and get him ready and try to figure out the best advice for that fighter and the best way to train him and get ready for that fight. You take a guy like Colby. I mean, he's been putting hours and hours in for years and years to get to this point, and then the, the rug kind of gets pulled off from under him. He, he should be fucking pissed off. Right. No, I agree 100%. So what's the game plan going forward from here? I mean, should Colby get past Robbie? Do you guys really dig in your heels going forward and – uh, really campaign for this title fight? We've dug in our heels since the Dos Anjos fight for True. a title shot. True. You know, and, and there's been a lot of back and forth, and it has not worked out. Although between that Dos Anjos fight and right now, there have probably been eight different times when Colby verbally agreed to a fight for the belt between either T. Wood or Usman, and none of those dates worked out. And you can actually throw in Nick Diaz's name in a fight last year that they threw out to Colby that he accepted as well on a show where they were struggling for someone to fight back in Madison Square Garden last November. So, you know, he, he's dug in his heels. He's agreed to fights, and just bad things have happened to those fights. So, yeah, sure, is the plan to dig in the heels after this fight and say title shot or, or stick it? Yeah, that's certainly the plan. But that was the plan going into this one. And right, it didn't, really work right. out. It didn't really work out for us. So it's the plan until it wasn't. I mean, you mentioned it there, a series of unfortunate events. Given your history in this business, as long as you've been doing exactly what you do, have you ever seen such a string of bad luck for a guy trying to get a title fight? I have never even come close to seeing 
a series of events like this where one guy was in line for a title shot, agreed to fights, throwing winning the interim belt in the end in the meantime, and just having the fight never happen for some reason up until this point. It's just I, I, I it's mind boggling to me. It's frustrating for me. I feel bad for Colby, but you know, imagine how Colby feels. Right. Not 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 that Colby's the most sympathetic character in the business, <laughs> but fuck. I think he's been hosed. No, I agree with you 100%, and I would echo that sentiment as well. We've seen plenty of guys get promised title fights before that never came to fruition. It's kind of part of the business, but does the way this has played out, does this leave a bad taste in your mouth? No, I mean, I I get it. The UFC's got a company to run. I mean, they've got X number of shows that they need to fill, and a promoter's interests don't always align with the interest of a fighter or, or, or a team. And everybody's got to do what's best for them. I mean, if one of my fighters' interests don't necessarily align with what the UFC wants to do, I'm going to take my fighters' position first and do what's best for them. And the UFC is going to do the same. Sometimes those those interests align perfectly, and it's great, and it's symbiotic, and everybody helps everybody, and everybody's happy and you know, holds hands and sings kumbaya and all that good shit. And other times, you know, the interests don't align, and you know, you got problems. But hey, they got to do what they got to do, and we got to do what we got to do. It's just, I'm not trying to be diplomatic. It's just fucking realistic. Well, hey, man, the perspective you gave right there speaks volumes to your business acumen. But changing gears here for a moment, I wanted to pick your brain on a couple of things. First off, with uh, JDS fighting this weekend, as you mentioned earlier, against Francis Ngannou, give us your thoughts on the matchup. And do you think, should JDS get by one of the scariest guys in the division to ever step foot into the octagon? Does that warrant another title shot for Junior? Yeah, well, um, there's no doubt Ngannou's one of the scariest individuals I or anybody else has ever seen. I mean, that guy is absolutely frightening. Um, with that said, he's come out and, you know, put on a stinker or two in the past, so it may not be the most consistent guy in the world. JDS is very technical. He's very skilled. He still hits really hard. He's got a ton of experience. He's a smart fighter. Um, I would not count JDS out in this fight by any stretch of the imagination. Um, as far as title implications, if he wins, I don't, if not him, then who, I mean, I, I don't know who else would, would, would leapfrog him. If, if he were to, to win that, when you look at the heavyweight rankings and with, you know, DC fighting Stipe, there's a lot of rumors that it may be DC's last fight, win or lose. So, and then you could have a vacated title. I don't know what they would do in that instance. If they would just pick two guys, if they would do a little mini tournament, I'm not sure. Um, outside of it being like a really close fight where Stipe wins a split decision and DC says, screw it. I'm coming back to win my belt. And at which time they would probably run that again. I can't see JDS not getting a title shot, uh, coming off a win over in yeah, I would agree with you there, man, but we've heard from media, the UFC brass, I mean, so many times that having JDS fight for another title is going to be hard to warrant given all of his opportunities in the past. However, on the flip side, to go along with what you're saying, a dominant win over a guy like Ngannou and the changing landscape at the heavyweight division, that makes it very hard to argue that he isn't the most deserving guy. I mean, if it, if it were a really deep division like, you know, welterweight or lightweight or featherweight i mean yeah you, you get a couple of shots you know you know, you know you're done but there's it's just such a deep pool of talent and next guy up next guy up next guy up i mean every time you turn around you know who the hell is this guy holy shit he's a beast let's see him you know get the next shot it's not that deep at heavyweight right so you go in there and you knock off the t- couple of the top guys bam 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 like 
JDS will have if he wins this fight. You're pretty much next in line. What was uh, your reaction to Francis doubting Junior's black belt and his ground game? <laughs> I, I don't see that fight going to the ground unless somebody gets dropped hard and starts getting pounded on. So I don't really think it matters if he's a white belt or a black belt, in, in my opinion. <laughs> That's a very good point. Looking ahead from there, though, we've got UFC 239, July 6th. That's coming up very soon as well. You've got a couple of big names on that card. But first with Jorge Masvidal, give us your thoughts on this fight with Ben Askren and what this means for Gamebred's title aspirations. Oh, man, this is this is huge for Masvidal. You know, I, he's been around so long, and he's... I mean, when you, people say, oh, he's an OG or he's an OG, I mean, this guy is like you know, fighting in backyard events with Kimbo. I mean, this guy is the OG. I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody on the team I'm pulling for more than, than Masvidal on this. You know, he, he made that run a couple years back after he knocked out Cowboy, and I thought, wow, he's finally in the place he needs to be, and then it didn't go his way, and then to just see him storm back now and put himself in this position again, it's it's pretty cool. Everybody's behind him. I'll tell you what, he before that till fight, he came up to me and said, I'm telling you, I've changed my life. Things are different, and I'm going to surprise you going forward. And man, he came out hard in that Till fight. Till came out hard too, um, but he's right back in position in a win over Askren, and, and he's right there. So it's a big one. Yeah, you know, the past few times I've spoke with Gamebred, he's talked a lot about making changes in his life and how that has reflected in his training and in his performances. And you know, clearly his body of work speaks for itself. But we're about to run into the situation where we've got Jorge and Colby both at the top, and either one of them could have the title. Now, I've talked to both of them about this, and they both agree that they would fight for a title. They fought enough in the gym and outside of the gym. Why not throw down together yet again for a big paycheck and the possibility of taking home a title? So where do you stand on that situation? Obviously, you're very supportive of both guys, but do you feel like you kind of have to step back and let everything play out? You know, it, it, it's a good position to be in as a team to have two guys ranked, you know, one and two and, and, and going at it for a belt, I guess. You know, at the same time, somebody's going to have to lose that fight, which is, is going to suck royally for that guy and for, and for the team. So, you know, it's bittersweet if it got to that point. I've heard George and Colby talking about fighting each other for that belt for as long as I can remember, you know, since dating back to when Colby first got here and they were living together. So, I mean, like they say, hey, we punch each other in the face enough times for free. Might as well do it for some big money and a belt. So, I guess that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and obviously both guys are very respectful uh, towards the other when asked the question. With the ideal scenario being that they do not end up fighting each other. But also on that July 6th card, the co-main event features Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm. A lot of people seem hard-pressed to pick Holly for this fight. But just talk to us about the matchup and what kind of problems Holly poses for Amanda. I mean, Holly's technical. You know, Holly's been around a long time. She's pulled off big upsets before. I'm not going to count Holly out of anything. But, man, Amanda is just, she's on such another level of any female fighter I've ever seen in, in my life. I mean, she is, you know, people say, oh, she moves like a guy. She hits like a guy. She fights like a guy. And, you know, yeah, the guys are historically on another level because they started so many years before the girls fighting and you, you see the progression of women's mma and they're getting better and better and better 10 years from now you know they, they will have caught up and they'll be just as good as the guys maybe sooner um but man a oh man it's just she's so far out ahead of the pack right
right now. She is she's she's just next level. She's a beast. The way she hits, the way she moves, her grappling, her timing, her take. She's good at everything. I, you know, you can't like I said before. I mean, it's MMA. Anything can happen in a fight, but. Man, I'd be hard-pressed to see Amanda not winning this fight. Yeah, I think the vast majority of the MMA community would agree with you. But as far as legacy goes, what's left for her in your opinion? Already defeated Cyborg, and if she gets past Holly, she's defeated every former champion in this division. What's left for her at that point? I think it'd be nice to have her be the only person to defend both titles as a champ champ. So I'd like to see her go to 145 after this if she's successful against Holly and, and defend that title. And then, and then after that, you know, people. You know, I've heard some people say, "Well, who's next?" I mean, 135 division doesn't look too stacked right now. Of all credible contenders, and I don't know if there's a lack of credible contenders. I see some good fighters in, in, in that division, but it just could be a situation back where, like, you know, Larry Holmes's division never got the credit, and everybody said it was a weak division just because it may, not necessarily because they weren't good. It's just he was just better than everybody because right. he was just so dominating back then. And, hey, what's wrong with a dominating champ? I mean, people <laughs> loved buying Ronda Rousey pay-per-views when she was dominating, and it wasn't about who she was fighting. It's just because it's a Ronda Rousey fight. She was the best female fighter on the, on the planet at the time. So I, I could just see that on Amanda's horizon. Hopefully she gets a nice run and keeps defending her belt, and people are buying pay-per-views to, to see the best fighter in the world. Now, assuming Cyborg does re-sign with the UFC, is that the fight to make it 145 pounds for Amanda? Or is there another contender that you see that is more deserving. I'd imagine the rematch would would be a very big fight, right? Well, they they offered a, a cyborg fight for Amanda, um, assuming she were coming out of the Holly fight unscathed. They offered a relatively quick turnaround for Amanda to fight cyborg, and Amanda agreed to it. And cyborg, her contract had an expiration date and she was going to have to agree for a slight extension of that. And Cyborg turned that down wanting to stay active. So I guess it just depends on Cyborg. If, if she resigns, if she wins her next fight and she resigns with the UFC, Amanda's wide open to that. She wants to fight at 145 and defend her belt. If it's Cyborg, it's Cyborg. And if it's somebody else, it's somebody else. Well, I'd imagine I speak for a lot of fans when I say I'd certainly love to see that fight play out a second time. But in regards to potential contenders at 135 pounds, a lot of people say that Valentina Shevchenko gave Amanda her toughest fights in the division. Would you be interested in seeing Shevchenko move back up after defending her belt a couple times and maybe compete against Amanda for a third time? I'm, you know, dating back to the, the Colby conversation, champs don't really pick their fights any more than contenders pick their fights. So whoever the UFC decides to put up there, they've, they've already fought twice. Um, like I said, in the heavyweight division, there's not very many options. So we keep winning fights. You know, Shevchenko, she's she's obviously a great fighter, and, she, and she's pretty dominant right now in her division. If the UFC came up with an idea to try to make a champ, 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 or something like that, I personally, <laughs> personally, I'm not a huge fan in all the in all in the champ, champ matchups because it ties up divisions. Um, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I get it with what they did with Amanda and Cyborg because everybody wanted to see that fight, you know, the, the baddest woman of all time, Cyborg, against, you know, someone who had a legit chance at, at unseating her. And I, I get that. But, man, when you tie up two divisions at one time, I don't know how that, I don't know how that's good for the company. Um, you, you see it with Cejudo now. He ties up two belts and then he gets hurt. Well, now what do you, you got two divisions that are, that are, that are struggling. So I don't know if that makes sense for the UFC. But, I mean, Amanda's going to fight who they tell Amanda to fight. 
True. I don't think she really cares. I don't think she really cares at this at, at this point. I mean, she's beaten Valentina twice. Um, I think she'd be a favorite in that fight again, and I think she'd beat her again. Just to comment on what you said there about being in the champ champ era, I think obviously Conor McGregor has a lot to do with that. But I agree with your point that tying up the divisions, that's not exactly good for business. One more fight I'd like to touch on before we let you go. Dustin Poirier versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. What a huge fight and what a run it's been for Dustin since moving up a weight class to 155 pounds. Give us your thoughts on the matchup and obviously I'm sure you do believe, but tell us why you believe Dustin has what it takes to dethrone Khabib. I think uh, I think Dustin's already been on the craziest run I, I've seen as far as back-to-back-to-back-to-back fights against such high-level opponents, former champs. You had Khabib to that list, and if he's successful in overcoming that, I, I don't think anybody will ever match that that run. Can he do it? I mean, Khabib's obviously a beast. The guy's like 4,000 and 0 or something like that. Nobody's beaten him. Um, but I've seen guys push Khabib into later rounds and seen Khabib not be as, as dominant looking in those later rounds and said it before, if, if Dustin's standing in front of a tired Khabib in the fourth round, Khabib's in a world of shit because Dustin is not going to tire out. and He's going to be hitting just as hard in that fourth and fifth round as he is in that first and second round. So, you know, again, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what each guy wants to do in, in that fight. Um, can Khabib, is Khabib going to get his takedowns? Is he going to, you know, get his way at some point in the fight? <laughs> Probably. But, you know, if he doesn't put Dustin away in that fight, every round start, starts on its feet and, and Dustin's going to be fresh no matter what point in that fight, no matter how much damage he's taking. Dustin is still going to come out to fight. So, yeah, I, I think Dustin absolutely has, has a chance to, to finish off his run by unifying the belt. You're absolutely correct. Each round starting on their feet and the amount of time it would take Khabib to make up for the boxing differential. I mean, that's just impossible, right? Dust. I, I think Dustin has the best boxing in the UFC right now. I would have heard. heard some people. I've heard people say in his division. I, I think he's got it in the whole company. His he, he he's technical. He he hits hard head body combinations. I mean, he just. I mean, I I didn't think there was a guy who could out Max Max. I always thought the guy that was going to beat Max Holloway on the run, Max was always going to have to be the guy that was going to have to take him down and, you know, grind him out and do damage there. I'm like, hey, you know, who's going to stand in front of Dustin and in front of Max Holloway for five rounds, especially at featherweight, you know, moving up in weight class. Okay. I thought Dustin, okay, Dustin's going to be bigger. He's going to be stronger. He's got great boxing, but man, to do what he did to Max Holloway and as tough and good as Max Holloway is, I think Dustin's, heads above anybody else when it comes to boxing in the UFC. Absolutely. The performance against Max was a testament to how great Dustin truly is. So yet another fight to be very much looking forward to coming out of your gym. But listen, man, we greatly appreciate your time today. I guess in conclusion, tell all the fans out there, all the listeners, what they can expect going forward from American Top Team and all the great talent coming out of your facility. You know, our, our, we're just about putting out the best fighters we can and getting everybody ready for the fights. And there's just there's just so many events going on right now, not just UFC, between, you know, the PFL and Ryzen and Bellator. There's so many good shows and people are just taking it to the next level, the next level, the next level. We're just, we're just happy to be part of the ride. You know, we got a really good seat on this ride and 
you know, we're doing the best we can to get our fighters ready and keep them active and hopefully putting on fan-friendly fights and, you know, we're on a pretty good run right now. We just want to, we just want to keep it going. Well, I have no doubt that the success will continue with the incredible coaching staff that you have at American Top Team. And again, Dan, greatly appreciate the time today. Hopefully we can catch up again soon. So best of luck to all the athletes at ATT and, of course, yourself as well. Plenty of fights coming up for you guys, and I hope they each do well in their respective competitions. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, man. You too. Very interesting to hear the contrasting perspectives between Colby and Dan on how this fight with Robbie Lawler got made. Great conversation with Dan, as always. Like you heard me mention there, big talent under his roof, big fights coming up for all that talent. A lot of stuff to be very excited for coming out of American Top Team. But let's keep rolling. Closing out this episode, Bellator, Bantamweight, Featherweight, and as I said in the beginning of the show, possible lightweight as well. Future champion, super prospect, the Spaniard, Juan Archuleta. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show, good friend of BJPenn.com, Bellator featherweight standout, future champion in my humble opinion, the Spaniard, Juan Archuleta. Pleasure to have you back with us, Juan. How are you doing today, man? What's up, guys? Doing good, man. Really good. Just hanging out, relaxing. Doing good. Enjoying all that hard work. Now, now you flew back from NYC yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds like you took some extra time to enjoy the city. What did you do after the fight? Yeah, I got to hang out, and then um, I was going to be able to spend some time with my family. But after a win like that, it's just a quick turnaround with media and stuff. So it was good. Yeah, it was good to soak it all in and enjoy it. I hung out a little bit with my family, um, ate some good food. And then uh, after that, it was like, uh, uh, I actually got to hang out with uh, Nick Jonas afterwards and hung out with him and his brother Joe, and then uh, hung out with Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos as well and celebrated the victory. Yeah, man, I saw, I, I just saw online that you uh, you were with the, one of the Jonas Brothers there. I mean, I'm personally, I don't think I've ever heard a Jonas Brothers song. Maybe I have, but regardless, very cool that you're you're hanging out with all the stars now, man. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're good friends, you know. Uh, on the TV show Kingdom, got to got to meet them, hang out with them, take some information or uh, advice from them, and apply it to my career, which is starting to take off now. And uh, you know, it's, it's just been good. That's awesome, man. And what a performance you put together yet again uh, against Dantas. Uh, final second of the second round, you land a picture perfect overhand right with for for the walk off KO. You must be incredibly happy with that performance. Yeah, I mean, words can't describe it. It still feels like a dream. still feels like, I'm man, I don't even, it was just picture perfect. You know, n- nothing could have added more to the story uh, come come that or that night, and it was, just per- it was just perfect. What was the game plan going in against Eduardo, and did he do anything in there that surprised you? Um, no, you know, everything we, he did, we knew it was going to happen. You know, he's a two-time champ. He's a great fighter, and uh, – you know, I knew I had to fight him like TJ fought uh, Hen and Burrell, and um, 
and that's the game plan we went with. And uh, TJ did a great job of working with me to get ready um, to actually have real time feel and the game plan walking through. Uh, Paul Herrera spent hours with me, and then just all my coaches, you know, Tiki, Cub, and Joe Daddy Stevenson. We all just kept working, kept working, and knowing that this was the biggest fight of our career. And uh, and the knockout just came came the way it did, and it was awesome. Yeah, man, huge knockout over a former champ, like you just said, in Madison Square Garden. What a moment for you, man. Explain what the experience was like winning in such a dominant fashion in the most famous arena in the world, arguably. Yeah, the, the build-up to it, you know, watching Andy Ruiz knock out Anthony Joshua and then Triple G get the knockout, I was like, man, I hope that I get a performance like that. Just even, uh, you know, just to perform, not even the knockout, just go out there and perform and just hear the deafening of the, uh, of the crowd. And um, it happened, you know, and it was just... It was just jaw-dropping after it happened, you know, and after I knocked him out, it was just like, wow. I took a second to let the let the crowd ignite, and then after that, it, I just erupted as well with him, and it was just, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, man, you let out a roar on the top of the cage. It was almost like, you know, you've been here all along, and anybody that really follows the sport understands just how talented you are and all the potential you have, but it seems to me like when you got on top of that cage, you let out that roar, this was the win that should finally push you over the top, right? Yeah, you know, this is it. This is the the moment I was waiting for, the takeover and um, the rise and everything. And uh, I was so the, – the way they put the – they stacked the card up was very, very favoring for me because I was able to watch who was going to be the champion between Horiguchi and Caldwell because I knew that was my next fight no matter what. I, I put in the time. I've done build my career. Uh, and with Joe Daddy Stevenson up to now, and and everyone else on my team, and uh, and you know Tiki put me in this situation to fight the the two time bantamweight champ, and taking the winner out of that was already in sight. And once it happened, I re- I already knew what I deserved. And um, you know there's a reason the 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 lineup felt like it did. And uh, now it's time to go get Bellator's belt back, and hopefully you know Ryzen has the same same. Um, idea and matchup matchmaking because this is the fight to make there's no other fight right now outside of mma to make other than horiguchi and myself yeah i was just about to say that man you know that puts you at 5-0 and in bellator over four years undefeated 18 straight wins i mean it's about time for the title shot isn't it i mean that, that's obviously what your team is thinking but is bellator on board as well yeah they, i mean we need our title back we can't just have a, a um a guy from a different promotion have our hardware you know and it's just you know i i've been trying to fight the top guys all 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 my life you know and people back out and people see my record and they see that my opponents it's just like well now there's no running now if you have the belt if you're top contender no which i just knocked out like there's no other matchup for me uh that makes sense either i'm i'm number one contender whether it be at 135 145 or 155 because patricio has both 145 and 155 and then Whatever champion says no is the next matchup I have. If Horiguchi says no, then I have Patricio. If Patricio says no, then I have Horiguchi. So whatever whatever champion feels like they're going to throw it all on the line to fight the number one contender in the world and have the best matchup possible, it's me. So we'll we'll know very soon which which champion is going to tuck tail and run. Right. 
Now, uh, obviously, the, the Kyoji fight's the one you want. How do you think you match up with Horiguchi? And give us your thoughts on his second win over Caldwell. Yeah, I mean, his second win, I knew it was going to happen. I told everyone, you know, I knew uh, uh, he, he's able to endure, and then he's a smart fighter. He's his one of his only losses is to is to um, Demetrius Johnson, you know. So it just explains who he is as a fighter. I forget who that is. He might have two losses to him or whatever, whatever it is. But I know um, he, he's one of the best, you know. It cements my legacy beating him. Right now, it, it catapults who I am as a fighter and that I'm not, not afraid to fight the best guy out there right now outside of the USC and KOG, you know. So... I think it's the the best matchup for me right now to cement my legacy and then just prove how good of a martial arts I am and to to make this stamp in this in, in, in the statement in the sport. Now, as you mentioned, you got a lot of options. Uh, you came into Bellator as a multiple weight champion outside of the organization. I know you and I have talked quite a bit about you know having all of these options for multiple weight classes. You mentioned Patricio. How do you think you match up against him? Great. You know, I think both of these matchups are, 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 in my opinion, very favorable for me. You know, just anyone now. Now, anyone that I've, I've already, my, my world title's already won. I've already put in the time as an athlete and as a competitor and the repetitions. Now it's just about getting getting the fight to, to prove that. And, uh, you know, I'm five years in the sport of fighting world champions every day in, in my gym and fighting number one contenders every day in my gym and and getting better and learning from them and growing from them and, and, and just taking everyone's knowledge and applying it into my style. And, and you know, I'm there. I'm, 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 I'm the hottest prospect there, or not even prospect, I'm the hottest MMA fighter there is right now, and, and I'm going to prove that. Uh, no matter what, my next fight, no matter what, I'm fighting for two belts, whether it be KOG or whether it be for Patricio. Now, we're in the era of the champ champ, right? I'm sure you're very hungry to get after more than one title, but it sounds like the ideal situation would be bantamweight, then featherweight fight Patricio, and then fight him a second time for the for the lightweight title. Yeah, I mean, you 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 know you know my background. You followed my career. I'm I champ champ is cool and everything, but you know these guys are thinking they've done something that's you know historic. But I've had four belts before. You know, I've 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 seen people win titles around me in big organizations as well. Like now, to me, it's 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 winning these fights uh, that that. I deserve, you know, and, and, and my team reaping the benefits uh, behind it as well. For sure, man. Now, <clears throat> and how cool would it be for, again, we're in this champ champ era. Why not have a guy come through with three belts or even four belts? Yeah, you know, and uh, Patricio and his coach trying to say, oh, we're going to do something that's never never been done before. Da, da, da. It's like, cool, yeah, that, that's already been done, you know. It's, our, it's already been done. You're not going to be the first person to do it. I've won four belts, you know, so... Uh, but now it's just the, the world knowing that, you know, and, and, and it's going to happen. Now, with all the all the success, I talked about this a bit earlier, but I see you're finally getting a good push on the promotional side. You were on uh, Kelly and Ryan in the morning for fight week. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was awesome. You know, for me, it was just like hanging out with my friends. I, I've known Kelly and Mark uh, for quite some time now, and I even – train his son uh with some wrestling and you know just hanging out and taking them to Dwayne's practices and seminars with me and uh you know so for me it was like hanging out with my friends you know now that just just the world got to know who my friends are and who I hang out with and who I know and so for them to have me on 
I was very thankful uh, for it, you know, and they, they did me a huge favor, you know, and they, they, they were able to help promote me and, and, um, you know, and, and just, it was an honor, you know, it was great. It was, my family enjoyed it. Um, my mom, my dad, my cousins, my aunts, and uh, everyone that watches Kelly and Ryan in the morning that I know, which is a lot, uh, you know, they, they were ecstatic for me. Yeah, I can only imagine how, how many of your family members have that bad boy on DVR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, do you feel like the fans, the media, and the Bellator brass, are they are they finally starting to give you your due? Yeah, it's happening, you know. And to me, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to show up. I'm going to uh, compete the hardest of, of my capability as possible to be the best one or chill that I could be in MMA, you know, and I, I already knew every, every fighter, I already have the respect of the fighters, you know, and, uh, and, you know, some big time fighters too. Everyone re- reached out to me, Roy McDonald, Valerie, you know, Aaron Pico, all, all, all these fighters that were on there that night, uh, you know, Douglas Lima and, they, you know, they told me congratulations. It's time now. You know, they said just soak it up. You know, I spent my career building my foundation. Now that when this happened, now I'm ready for the next opportunity. And um, you know, and, and and it's happening. You know, we 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 cement some things coming up this next couple of weeks of uh, where where their game plan is going forward and what what we're going to be planning on doing. Yeah, you make a great point there, man. I think. Again, anybody that follows the sport and knows your career knows all the accomplishments you've already achieved and that this is all part of the plan for you. But what better respect and honor is there to get out there than the, than the respect of your peers, right? I mean, fans are great. Media is great. All of that. The promotion as well. But to have, you know, champions of the promotion currently reaching out to you saying it's time, that's got to feel really good, man. That's a lot of justification for all the hard work that you've been putting in over all these years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 not that I talked my way into it. It's that I've proven my way into it. You know, right. I've, I, I've done the road work with the fighters alongside of me, you know, with with running alongside of them and laying brick by brick with them. It's not like I'm coming in here. I'm two and oh, you know, saying, oh, I want the best right now because I deserve it. It's like you don't deserve shit. You know, like I'm coming in here. I'm putting and, and if it doesn't happen. We, I understand, you know, I, I just go, I just keep working, I keep putting on my work boots and keep chopping wood and, you know, just create, keep creating my opportunities. But there's no doubting what just happened, uh, you know, last Friday. There's no doubting that, you know. Right. Like I said earlier, you know, put the stamp on it for sure. Uh, well, well, I certainly hope this push continues, man. You're a superstar in the making. I've said this all along from the first time I interviewed you. Uh, when would you like to get back in there? And I'm wondering, will you sit out? If you don't get the title shot, or will we see the Spaniard back in there against another top contender before the title? I know, I know, it's like uh, you know, almost ninety-nine percent that you're going to fight for one of these belts. But let's say something wants to come up, would you take another fight? You know what? There's there, there's there's two people right now that that have th- th- three belts in three different weight classes. If you don't take the fight, you're holding up the division. Why are you a champion? You know, right? Take the fight. No more running, no more, no, no more dodging, no more saying, "Oh, I, I, I need this money, I need this money." Just take the fight, put, put your, uh, put your legacy on the line, put your uh, warrior mentality on the line. Let's give the fans a, sh- a show, you know. The um, I'm here, I'm healthy, I'm ready. Um, and if you're hurt, I understand. Sit on the sideline, relinquish your belt, and let me go for my run, you know. And uh, if you're not gonna defend your your title, you know, for me. 
you've you've seen in my career I've, I, I've fought a lot and I've defended my titles right away as, as, as soon as I was able to and that's what's going to happen you know there's there's no waiting there's no passing you know I'm gonna go from one champ to the next to the next until someone signs the dotted line and the the my, my contract's going to be signed in the beginning of July and I just hope that there's is as well now I tell you man it's not even like they can use that excuse anymore of oh he's not a big enough name yet after this weekend, uh, th- there's no questioning that that they they have no other excuses, right? Yeah, I mean, I was on Sports Center's top ten. I mean, I was been on a lot of media outlets now, and and, and you know, just every, every 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 big fighter and fight fan knows who I am now. So there's there's no more excuse, you know. There's no none at all. You see my team, you see what we're capable of, and we're ready. We've been ready. So you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me. So you mentioned that uh, July, you'd like to have a contract signed. How quickly would you like to get back in there? Yeah, when it when it when it makes sense for the organization to put me back out, I like I like to get out there in July, August, September, whatever it is, you know. But uh, I know the fight with um, Horiguchi is going to take some manipulating on um, on Scott Coker's part to get uh, y- y- uh, Saki and Horiguchi on those on the same plan. Um, you know, but if it doesn't, then then where where's Patricio? You know, so it, I, I think it just depends on on their timing on what on what they want to do. But and it has to make sense, right? It has to make sense for the promotion. It has to make sense for 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 them and everything. So it, it's we're ready. We're ready. All right, I have no doubt, man. I'm very much looking forward to it. But listen, changing gears here for a moment. For a moment, it's been a while since we spoke and. It's no secret that your team's been under some scrutiny since the news about your close friend and teammate TJ Dillashaw came out. Uh, what was your reaction to that news, and what was the first conversation with TJ like after that news broke? Yeah, it was shocking, you know. Uh, but when it was, uh, you know, a decision he made and he made on his own. But uh, we were there for him. And once I heard, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, man, through thick and thin, I'm I'm here with you." let's figure this out and let's move forward. And then, um, you know, he reached out, told me what happened. And, uh, once everything got released and we said, all right, man, like, um, we go through this together and, and there's, uh, there's no turning point from here. You know, we're just gonna, we're gonna go, go with whatever you put out there. And, um, you know, I have your back. And so he was obviously there at my fight. He trained me to get ready for this knockout. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't ask for a better, uh, partner other than TJ Dillashaw and, and, and the other guys that I do like Cub Swanson, Georgie, we, we were all here for him and uh, we felt for him, we felt, you know even though he made the decision, you know we're gonna and he hit rock bottom, we're gonna be here to pull him back up and um, once his shoulders are here, healed we're gonna be ready for him to win his world title back. Right, and I think it's important to make the point you know, not only are you guys close friends and teammates but when your brothers in, in in bond like this, it's you can't bail on each other. You got to stick together and go through the thick and thin and the motions of all of it. So, you know, I commend all of you guys for that first and foremost. Uh, but do you think TJ will be able to bounce back from it? I mean, a lot of people say his legacy's tarnished, but I think these there's countless examples of guys who overcame a setback like this, learned from it, and went on to accomplish great things. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing right now is getting them to trust the process of Sam Calavita and what he's capable of. You know, um, for me, when when I'm when I'm down and out and low on recover recovery and my numbers show, 
I walk away for a couple of days, you know, I take the time and I walk away and I let my body heal, you know, everyone goes through the stress, everyone goes through the stress of a training camp, the anxiety, um, the, the physical beatdown of training, being overtrained. But for me, I put my trust in Sam Calavita and, and, and know what he's capable of. His research uh, speaks alone on what he's able to do. I mean, I've been down, dug in the dirt and uh, beyond overtrained. And um, once I started wearing my heart rate monitor and he was able to pull up my recovery readings, um, Sam seen that and just told me, you know, I know your fight's in four weeks. Let's just take three days off. Go enjoy the family. Go get your mind off everything. And when I did, I bounced back and was ready to go and uh, if he was if he if, if, if the communication was there we would have been able to pull him out of the uh, of what he was going through without him having to turn to the um to to the peds you know but now he knows that you know and um now he could put full belief in coach cal and in the, in the training lab and what they're capable of doing and and he has no other choice because now pretty much you thought is going to be living with them and uh you know so that's what's good about his case is he's going to be able to prove that he's going to be able to come back a, a stronger and better athlete without the performance enhancing drugs. And, um, you, you know, and, and everyone's going to be able to see it because you saw this there, you know, they, that's, they, they caught him, they caught him red handed, you know? So now they're going to be, they're going to be, like I said, living with them and testing them every day to make sure he's clean. And now he ha he's forced to. And so uh, we're going to be here as a team to guide him through it and help him through it. And he's going to be the world champ again in no time. Yeah. You make a great point there. It's, it's all about trusting the process. Uh, do, do you think it all kind of stemmed from, you know, having doubts about maybe the weight cut cutting down to 125? I mean, I, I know he gave his own reasonings, but you know, how did you see it? Yeah, you know, I didn't. Um, I knew on some of the things he was going a, a little too uh, too much, you know, because he wanted to make sure he was covering all ends of his training, and um, he was definitely burning burning out way more than he was putting in. And uh, if he would have communicated that with Coach Cal, he would have been able to make adjustments on his diet and his nutrition, where he wouldn't have felt so burnt out, you know. But um, he wanted to, uh, man, take take the, I guess take things into his own own hands. I'm not sure the reasoning behind it, right, but right, um, right. you know, uh, you know, because I. Once he told me, I said, cool, we don't need to talk about it no more, you know, and let's move forward, and, you know, it doesn't even need to be a thing anymore. So, you know, he, he, he's he's the man, you know, and he's going to um, – he made a bad decision, and then uh, he's going he's gonna to pull out of this, and he's going to be able to trust in Coach Cal now, and and, and definitely whatever the reason is now, there's, there's no more reason to take it, and we're going to keep pushing forward. Yeah, I commend you. That only speaks volumes to the kind of friend and teammate you are. You know, just leave it there. We'll move right on from it. But from my own perspective, I think that media and fans, we really can't say much, is that we've, we've never been under the incredible pressures of combat sports. However, I think other fighters and athletes certainly have a right to complain. As I mentioned earlier, there's been some scrutiny towards your team, and people question if TJ was one of the only guys using. I won't mention the guy's name, but I saw a fighter tweeting about how after Bellator... Uh, your event that they, they don't really test as stringently and who's to say that maybe you weren't on something too. I, I would certainly believe that that's, that is not the case, but what would your response be to that? And what would you say to people questioning your team? Yeah, they, they, they tested me twice when I was in New York and they tested me a third, uh, the first time before I left here, they had all my blood 
they had all my blood levels. They had all the testing. Uh, you know, I was I was forced to do all these blood works before my fight. And uh, you know, California, the the CSAC, they've been following my career a long time. Uh, they they have all my tests. They have all my results. Um, they see they see my numbers. And so, you know, I'm a clean athlete. And whether you believe it or not. Um, if you want to pay for the for USADA to come test me, they're more than welcome. You know, um, they they're more than welcome to come hang out with me for the day. They're more than welcome to come train with me for the day, the week, whatever they want. You know, and uh, I have fighters that live with me daily, and, and, and they'd be the first to tell you um, that uh, my 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 workload, my scheduling, my supplementation, that there there's no cheating there. You know, everything gets passed through USADA to begin with that I do with Coach Cal because we have a lot more athletes that are other than the UFC that are in the IOC, the Olympic Committee, uh, testing. Uh, some of Coach Gale's, um athletes are the number one tested uh, athletes in the world, you know, um, and it's not just and it's not just uh, fighting. It's it's wrestling. It's it's football. You know, he has a lot of athletes. So to tarnish his name and and uh, he'd be damned to do that off uh, off giving us performance enhancers. You know, and so you know, just come just come in and come and spend the week with me. If these fighters that are running their mouth and they think it's EPO, that's why Dante's got the got the fight and he got knocked out because he was running his mouth saying I was on EPO and performance enhancers and you know it was a, a a fire that fueled fueled me to make sure that I got the finish on him and all these other fighters that are running their mouth and think that sign the dotted line and 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 back up your words and take the fight and you know and and the same thing is going to happen to you. Right. See the results. They speak for themselves. And for the record, man. For the record, not trying to put you on the spot with questions like that, but you know people people talk and and since we are the fighters' voice, I wanted to have you address the issues directly. So I greatly appreciate you being candid about the situation. Uh, but all that being said, do you feel like you're the guy to part the proverbial dark cloud hovering over you guys right now? Yeah. I mean, for sure. You know, I, I, have been since the beginning. I'm, I'm, I've known coach Cal my whole life and he'd never do anything detrimental to, to, to tarnish my family's name, his name or my career. You know, this is, he knows this is the way I make my living. And, uh, TJ knew this was the way he makes his, his living. And he's, he's, He's reaping what he sowed, you know, and and um, and he's feeling the, you know, you should have seen him all fight week. He, he was so energetic and, and felt the buzz that, you know, he he apologized a lot about doing it to just to himself and then then to us as well. But like, just kicking himself, you know, for making that decision. But now he knows, you know, he now he knows what cheating does, and uh, so do I. And I don't want to be put in that position. I don't want to be put in a position to hurt someone, take Dantes away from his family. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we're fighting and fighting's going to fight. You know, I would expect someone to go in there and be a clean fighter. I treat people, the number one rule, treat people how you want to be treated. And uh, that's what I, that's the type of person I am. So I'm not going to do something that will enable someone to get hurt because of a performance answer. And that's just the type of guy I am. So, you know, to everyone that thinks that thinks that I am like shame on you, you know, for, for jumping to conclusions. And, um, you know, you're, you're not a judge. Don't, don't, don't go around judging people, uh, just for actions that their teammates make. I know you, uh, there's that stigma of you are who you hang out with. Well, you know, we're pulling TJ out, um, of, of the people he used to be around that showed him all this stuff. And we're trying to make him like one of us, you know, the, um, a guy that's going to go out there and put it all on the line. So, you know, it is what it is. 
uh, the, the, uh, you know, like they say, no bad, bad publicity is just as good as good publicity. And it's, it's throwing my name out there and I'm going to let my fighting and my training speak for itself. Right. Absolutely. Any publicity is good publicity. Let the fighting speak for itself. And Hey man, if they doubt you come in there and get some, right? Yeah, absolutely. And my dad told me, you know, when I, when I talked to my dad about it, he said, you, you, you stand strong for your friend and you be there for your family and, and, and TJ's your family. And so is Cub and all these other guys, you stand there for him and you stand in the fire if you have to. Once he told me that no more needed to be said, you know, uh, through TJ and I, and, 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 you know, whatever my dad tells me, he's, he's raised me to the man I am today. And when he told me that, I already, I already knew his answer, you know, but I just told him what's going to happen and everything that's going to be casted upon us. And he said, you go stand in the fire with your friend. Right. Stand in the fire, take the heat and, and rise to the top, rise out of the occasion, you know, like a, a Phoenix from the ashes, if you will. Uh, listen, man, I, ha- I have no doubt that you're destined for greatness. Ever since we first had you on the show and I started following your career, I had this gut feeling that you really were one of those special athletes in this game. That being said, man, I know we've we've kept you quite a bit over time here. Let's wrap this thing up. Hopefully you get Kyoji first. Would you be willing to fight in Japan under the Ryzen banner, or has it strictly got to be a Bellator fight for you? Man, I've been trying to get into the uh, Ryzen organization since my King of the Cage days, because you know King of the Cage uh, and Japan had always gone back and forth. Um, you know, with them having uh, Rampage and and Pride and taking other uh, King of the Cage fighters to Pride, and we we're trying to do that, but um, it never got done. So all this is happening for a reason, man. I'm telling you, and it's uh, to go there and be able to be a contender for the belt and win their belt and win back Bellator's belt is it will be a dream come true but if it doesn't happen we have to fight in Bellator and we'll fight in Bellator I mean what better way to fight in front of a crowd where history's been made for the sport with Fedor, uh, Wanderlei Silva, Rampage Jackson, uh, you know, Dan Henderson, Vitor Belfort, Anderson Silva I mean the greatest of the greats have fought there and, and, and I'm the next one to do it. Dude, with that, that would be a bucketless moment for you, right? Fighting in Saitama for a title in front of all those amazing Japanese fans. Uh, beyond belief, yeah. It would be like getting the knockout at, at Madison Square Garden for a fighter. Right, right. Now, uh, in regards to Horiguchi, I know we talked a bit about the matchup, but say this fight does get booked next, how do you visualize a fight with Kyoji playing out? A similar game plan to how um, Caldwell fight him, but with more activity. You know, I think he had the right game plan. I just don't think he had the gas tank behind him, you know. I seen him in the background. He had a dip in. He had some chew. He was spitting in the cup. And I was like, man, this is what a world champion is doing, just ch- is chewing tobacco and, and doing all this. You know, uh, uh, chew tobacco, what Coach Cal tells me, is a, is a cardio inhibitor. And so he's, he's doing this um, – probably not knowing that it's going to be affecting his cardio the next day and you've seen it take place and i was just looking like man to be for me to be a champion to be a world-class athlete means doing everything the right way making the sacrifices that it takes to make sure you could come and perform it in front of your fans you know and let the fans get what they pay for and so i stay you know, at, uh, on a on, on a healthy diet, you know, away from drugs, away from every uh, performance enhancers, just so I could give my fans what they go to pay for. And when I seen him do that, I was just like, man, uh, this is going to uh, take away from his performance. But, uh, you know, better for me. I'm going to go in there. 
I'm going a, I'm to a do a similar game plan, but have more activity and look for the takedowns, look for the openings on the strikes when he wants to take, uh, block the takedowns. And I see me getting the finish and, and wearing him down. So the, the way you see it is where Darian fell short, you would, you would rise to the occasion. Yes, absolutely, with more activity. Now, again, if, if uh, Kyoji isn't available, Patricio's the next guy in line, how do you visualize a fight with him playing out? Making a miss, making them swing for the fences, watching him gas out, and and you know he's he carries a lot of muscle, and, and uh, similar to what I just did at Dantes, every time I pump faked in on Dantes, he he wanted to take my head off, which was perfect, and it's going to be the same thing on 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 Pitbull, forcing him to swing for the fences. Hopefully, one of those doesn't crack me and put me away, because if it doesn't, uh, you know, if it doesn't, it's going to be my victory for the taking. Now, between the two guys, first off, which would you prefer to fight most? It sounds like Kyoji. And second, which fight do you think would be the most fun for the fans? I think the most fun for the fans is the uh, Kyoji Horiguchi fight, um, just because of his not taking anything away from Pitbull. Um, right now, I think outside the UFC, he's he's the number one pound for pound uh, fighter there is in 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 the world right now, and. Um, and so that excites me more. That's uh, that's going to be like, okay, let's really put this to the test, you know, and go out there and fight this guy and and see what we're able to to walk away with. And um, I think it's fun. It's action packed, you know. And getting that victory will set up an even bigger victory uh, facing Patricio and and the more meaningful one at, at that, you know. And I think it. Uh, and I know it will get done. So I know the more exciting one for me and the more crowd-pleasing one is going to be Horiguchi, and, uh, which would lead into even a more powerful fight with uh, Patricio. Now, uh, I'm sorry, I keep, I keep throwing in added questions here. If they, were, if they were to ask you to wait for the New Year's Eve card to fight Kyoji, would you do it? I got a long time to make a game plan, and, and, and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> so looking ahead, the Spaniard takes one belt in 2019 and probably two more in 2020. Does that sound about right? Well, I, I think for, for 2019, no matter what fighter I fight, they're putting up both the belts. There's no question about it. So I think they had to put on the Risen and the Bellator belt, or, or Pitbull has to put up both belts, you know. Um, and and that's just, there's no, there's no other way around it. All right, I love it, man. Make some history and show these champ champs that they should be going for a third title. All right, Juan, listen, always a pleasure, man. Looking forward to the next fight and all the future has in store. In conclusion, tell all the fans out there what they can expect from you going forward and why they should hop on the train now before it leaves the station. Going forward, from here on out, um, all my fans could see me start finding the best in the world. They have no choice now. There's no more running. Uh, I just knocked out a two-time champ. And so from here on out, number one contenders are, are, are champion, are me defending the belts. So, again, I'm super excited to keep performing in front of my fans and, you know, having a ball doing it, having a blast. So thank you guys. Thank you for having me on the show again. Thanks for the uh, for the audience tuning in and your, your guys' audience. Thank you guys. Um, true diehards. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. Any shout-outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to give a huge shout-out to sponsors, CBDMD, Elite Sports USA, Quality Environmental, Legacy Builders, just all you guys. Thank you guys for 
getting my family out to New York and being able to um, take care of me financially and believing in me through this process. I also want to thank my team of coaches that I have right now, Dwayne Ludwig, Joe Daddy Stevenson, Paul Herrera, Cub Swanson, Raymond Daniels, my manager, Tiki Gosen, uh, you know, just all these guys and my training partners that and, and, and the training lab, Sam Calavita, that makes it all possible. My My kids, my wife, my mom, my dad, my brothers, and my sister. Thank you guys for uh, loving me so much and believing in me and in my dream. It takes a village, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks again, Juan. Let's not wait so long before we have you back on the show this time, huh? Absolutely. If I if I can stay non busy, we're gonna be back on the show. So <laughs> you know, we're all crazy. You know, there's one like this week. There's gonna be another huge fight popping off. So and then the next week, there's another one. You know, so right, it, right. It, it gets hectic. So you know, you know what's crazy? If I if if, if, Bellat- if um, MMA was like boxing and they were able to walk walk with or hold posse in the ring, you see like a hundred people in the ring with me. <laughs> That's like crazy. You know, so. Um, it would be insane, you know, Cub was brought that up. He's like, man, if you were able to bring your whole posse and your whole team behind you, he's like, the whole ring would be full, you know. I was like, I know, it's insane. Uh, maybe one day we get to just exactly that where, you know, MMA fighters are making that boxing money and you get to have your old entourage with you. But listen, until then, man, much love from all of us at BJPenn.com. You have a great day, brother. And again, I hope we catch up again soon. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. All right, buddy. Have a good one. All right. Later. As I said before the interview, super prospect is the word to use when referring to Juan Archuleta. Big things on the horizon for him and a very bright future indeed. Be on the lookout for him to capture multiple titles over the course of the next year or so. Also, big thank you to Juan for being so candid about the situation with TJ. We know that's not easy to discuss or talk about, but to go along with what Juan is saying... TJ's a good friend of the show as well. We certainly wish him the best. And I have no doubt he will return better than he left. That's it for us, though, folks. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. On behalf of the whole team, we greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Also, make sure you guys follow us on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Stay up to date. Everything you crave from the sport you love of mixed martial arts, BJPenn.com. We have got you covered, guys. Until next time, my friends, we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace out, everybody.